we're going to get to the rest of the episode after this quick addendum, as usual, when we record early on a Sunday, which we did yesterday because of football, there tend to be offers that come out later in the evening. So I wanted to add them. Donovan Barnett was offered by Indiana University of Kokomo and Mason Brooks was offered by Ohio Christian. Congratulations to both of those guys. And now here's the rest of episode 48. Welcome to episode 48 of Courts at Indiana podcast. This is Jim Reamer and joined as always by Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week? Hey, great. Another great week of quarantine before I got out Friday. It was <laughs> nice to be back out into the, the, the real world, get some games in live. So when you're quarantined, what what happens with your class? You do that all remotely or do they call in a sub or how does that? Okay, so yeah, I, ha- I actually taught from home still remotely. And okay. I, had a, I had a sub in my class that kind of would help around with stuff and, and oh, nice. anything like that. Yeah, kind of like crowd control stuff. Yeah. Crowd control. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's uh, – and I think that's been the biggest challenge from a school perspective other than when the county steps in is teachers Definitely. getting sick or teachers' right. assistants getting sick, How you know, personnel and, right. and not so much the the students. But Exactly. Barney is uh, Barney's under the weather. He was out of he was pretty much out of town all week. He didn't get a chance to see any games. wasn't feeling well, so I'd, he was not feeling that he could contribute much this week. So look forward to having him back next week. We're recording this at three thirty on Sunday. So after we get done recording, is when all the uh, offers and commitments and all that will happen. But uh, yep. Yep. we actually didn't get much going on until what Friday, and all of a sudden. We got yeah. a flurry of offers, so go ahead and get us caught up on that, and we'll move about. Yeah, all right. Uh, Caleb Edwards from Garen Catholic, Michigan Dearborn offer. Uh, Isaiah Stafford from Crispus Attics, an Indiana Wesleyan offer. Uh, Ryan Conwell also got an, an Indiana Wesleyan offer. And Conwell also picked up an offer from Xavier University in Louisiana. Uh, as, and so did Christian Nunn from Liberty Christian. And the other offer was Isaiah Davis got a Huntington offer. Yep. Isaiah's got a couple of Division II offers. Um, but, again, Crossroads League is a, is a big deal at that it's level. And, and, yeah. and, he, you know, he moved down. I think part of the reason why he moved down to Greenwood Christian was um, – was his was just I think he wants to go into ministry. I don't. That's the way I understood it in the fall when it happened, and I don't know that they couldn't have picked a closer school to Zionsville. Uh, not that that matters, because um, that's a heck of a commute. But Christian, you know, if he wants a Christianity, if he wants teaching to be focused on that, then you know, especially some of the schools in the Crossroads League are going to be. Yeah, definitely you know, are going to have that for him. So it'd be nice to stay close to home too. If you need, if True. You want, you know, and get that, get that uh, solid basketball league in there. True. But yeah, Crossroads league basketball is, is pretty solid. I just haven't had a chance to watch any of it this year and, and look forward to getting back to it when we can really get to games, but right. mo- I've right. mostly been to 
because we've been able to get the high school games. So that's been good. Um, what do we know anything about the Xavier school in Louisiana? No, not nothing at all, really. It just kind of out of nowhere. So I'm not I mean, sure. We where. both we both have sort of done some research on some of their coaches and really have found no Indiana connection, not even really a Midwest connection. Right. They do have a couple of coaches without bi- without bios. Um, it's just sort of out of the blue. So that, no big deal. Just always curious when a team that far, like especially a smaller school. Yeah, in Louisiana too. That far from, you know, from Indiana gets involved with Indiana kids. Christian Nunn, Ryan Conwell, uh, both those guys are excellent scores. I, I still think Conwell will be recruited at a little bit of a higher level. Um, I mean, I was as high level as you can get in the, in the NAIA. True. Oh, yeah. Well, that, Crossroads no, League, d- no sure. doubt. As far as the same thing we talked about with Isaiah. Yep. Crossroads League. And I'm just talking still like Division Two. Right, right. You know, I don't even know if I'm a low D1, what the hangup is on him other than just not being exposed to him. And again, not being able to, not getting a chance to see him play uh, in, you know, in person. And I know that matters to a lot of programs. And I think we, you know, we're, we'll get to the spring and talk more about recruiting, uh, especially if a lot of these kids, especially 2021 kids are still uncommitted. And some of these 2022 kids start seeing how their offers shape up. Um, see if it's, how COVID and exposure is, is impacting that, yeah, uh, that, that, that level of recruiting. So, and I, I mean, it's, I think you've seen a lot of people questioning why the so-and-so is not getting offers yet or already or more offers. And I mean, I don't know if people aren't understanding the whole transfer portal thing and free year and all this stuff, but, but a lot of the D ones are, they're waiting for the transfer thing to happen so that they can have their pick of those kids. I mean, it's yeah, not some, that these kids aren't good, but the transfer portal is huge for these guys. Did they vote that? They did vote that in, or do we know yet? Uh, the transfer thing for sure. I'm, they did. They they tabled the other thing that they were talking about this week, I believe, though. Which was what? That's is the is the one year is the one time transfer rules that did that get voted on? I I'm, yes, I'm almost I think positive we, that is good to go. That is good to go. Okay, but there was something else this week. I can't remember what it was that that was tabled again for something that was tabled. Okay. So you're getting the trip. So we're getting the, the one time trend, the transfer part of that. I hope, I hope it eliminates the grad transfer rule. I hope it just becomes one big rule. So that way you're, you have guys that aren't just transferring twice. Right. I've never liked that. I've never liked guys that have done that. Did, did the post post grad transfer after the, the one transfer, um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's the rule, you know, if the rules are there, take advantage of it. I, I just, it's just a preference. Julius Mays did that. Um, you know, he transferred and ended up at Kentucky as a grad transfer. That was his third college. And that's not a, again, it's not a criticism uh, by any, by any means. It's just a, um, definitely not a criticism of the player. It is definitely a criticism of the system. And, I think if they're going to allow one transfer, that's fine. It does give those kids some free some freedom. It does give the, give them some leeway if they find themselves in a situation they don't like. But hopefully, they don't get a chance to turn around and transfer again as a grad transfer without without sitting out that year. Right, right. So um, maybe we should look that. We you probably have a better handle on it than I do, but 
but we should maybe look that up and then and we'll eventually have that topic because it's right. going to it's going to loom large and combining it with the extra year that everybody's going to get it's just going to be chaos and i feel oh, bad yeah. i feel every badly level. for these guys every I mean, level i feel i feel real badly for it and you know then we get a kid like um cj gunn who announces his decision date you know i don't know how much is going to change between for him between now and, and the end of July as far as the types of recruiting he would get because right now we're looking at the first April period already off the books. The second April period is the last weekend of April. That could just as easily be erased. And now colleges are told or the NCAA is telling their D1 guys they can't go on the road until June, July. You know, the vaccine that's, that is uh, – is moving a little bit, a lot more slowly than what they had promised or what they had pledged probably is a better word. Uh, I don't know if that will change, you know, if that will change at all with a new administration coming in this week. Uh, You can look for the defense protect the defense production act to be invoked, which should help some of that Uh, not to dive too deep and too deep into the political side of it, but that will, if that produces a, a faster flow of vaccines, um, then, you know, that's going to impact all of us, including college coaches' ability to get on the road and watch guys. And hopefully by June and July, we're definitely not back to normal, but we're inching our way back to normal, right. um, especially as it relates to basketball, the basketball that we cover. So um, Gunn announced he's going to, when he's going to announce – any thoughts on that? We've got he's got what offers here. Should have this loaded up, right? Didn't even think about it till. Yes, yeah, was... so we know. I I I use basically the headliner of that one list. Yeah, I mean he's got what Cincinnati. He has Wake um, Forest, Wake Forest, Kansas State, Indiana, and boy, I'm missing somebody. And uh, um, you said it. You said Cincinnati, right? Yeah. Hold on a second. Let me get to the. I usually have a tab loaded up here, and I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't. There we go. His high majors are Cincinnati, Indiana, Kansas State, Wake Forest, and Xavier. Those are his high majors. His other offers are Alabama A&M, Miami of Ohio, which Ball State, both are MAC schools, clearly mid-major level. Valparaiso, clearly Missouri Valley School, clearly a mid-major offer. Alabama A&M has been – been a presence in Indiana now for a couple of years, trying to get guys down there. Um, those are his offers. I'm taking the general silence from Indiana. They feel pretty good about getting him, but, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm a, again, Big Ten snob. I'd probably want to go in that direction if I was him, but, you know, we just don't know. He's He's got – Mike Saunders, who I'm sure he's friends with at Cincinnati, he could play with. And he's also got – there's two Indianapolis guys. Well, there's one – I'm sorry. There's one Indianapolis guy at Kansas State. Right, and, uh, Nig- say if, wasn't Nigel sure if Pack. Friends with Nigel or not. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know that either one of those situations would be a motivating factor. Certainly a nice footnote. And then Xavier, of course, is very present recruiting Indiana and, and have been – scraping up kids for several coaches now so um the other news was uh caveman bontrager 
just up and leaving Lakewood Christian's basketball program and, and moving over to the prep school. And you were, you were reminding me that the school, the prep school, Elevation Prep, is, uses the Lakewood campus, correct, for schooling? Yes, correct, correct. Pretty sure they live right there, too. So there's no, yeah, so there's no recourse. You know, the thinking there is that he's, you know, they get a lot more focus on basketball, I guess, I don't, you know, but I don't know how good that is. I mean, you know, I don't, if you're, I don't know, I don't know that I didn't see the benefits in it. And, and again, that's just my overall disposition of prep schools it has nothing to do with this right. individual decision so right um i think a lot of times they don't figure stuff out you know they don't figure the good you know the, the good of it until they get in and you know hopefully it, i mean it's a decision that works out well for those guys i don't know um why he couldn't have just transferred to a bigger school why he couldn't have waited till the off season and why he couldn't have transferred just to a bigger IHSA school. Right. Because, again, outside of a couple of those schools they play, I, I don't – their schedule is not great. If it's what we talked about at the beginning of the year. So, I don't know if it's changed at all since then or not. But some of those games, some of those teams look pretty, pretty thin. So – but – it's a system that doesn't have a lot of rules and that means they can train, do whatever they want, whenever they want. And I guess that's what you're looking for. Then that's, that's great. I think obviously the state of Indiana has no problems producing basketball players. So. And I'm, I'm a little opposite of you. I mean, I get, I get the prep school route. I, I just was wondering the timing on it. Like why in middle of the season, why not before the season or like you mentioned after the season, but. Yeah. Whatever for Cademan, if he if that's what he decided, and good for him to make that decision and pull the trigger and do it now. Yeah, I just think it's hard to beat what these programs, the Indiana high school programs, produce. I mean, I, I get it if you're in a small school and you you think the level of competition isn't great, and certainly the level of competition in practice can sometimes be a challenge. I mean, I coached at at Eminence High School for three years and. And I know that there was only certain ways we could challenge our top players. In fact, we, when we took the job, I say we took the job, and Mike McBride is now the head coach at Holy Cross up by Notre Dame. He took the job, asked me to come over and help him. We, we knew then that our best two players were a seventh grader and an eighth grader. So, and we had a decent freshman class that, that we could build around and, and, you know, those older kids, those poor older kids were going to take lumps for two years. And that's exactly what happened. And but by the time our seventh and eighth graders were freshmen and sophomores, we were pretty good. But we there's a lot of things we couldn't duplicate in practice. We couldn't simulate length. We couldn't simulate size. We couldn't simulate right. athleticism. And we were really aggressive of getting those guys on good summer teams, really aggressive. And you know, it helped our program as a whole because by the time they got back to school ball, they had faced a, just a ton of competition that they wouldn't otherwise face on a regular basis. I mean, we did go through their, you know, the Sullivan's always really good. 
Duggar had Brody Boyd and, and Jared Chambers. Though you know they had some of their best teams. Um, so we did play. And Monrovia was always really good, which is our our you know the school's big rival. Um, but outside of that, those kids were seeing more competition in the summer than they were in practice or on the rest of our schedule. So, um, so I, I get I get that side of it, I, I guess. But I think there's other ways to do it that doesn't involve you know, a prep school where basically you're, you're foregoing academic standards, you're foregoing curriculum standards. And I think the NCAA looks a little bit more dimly on those situations. And, um, but, you know, to each their own, I'll be the old man who yells at clouds, I guess. Yep. You will. And, 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 <laughs> And certainly wish him wish him luck and hope he gets what he's looking for out of it. So definitely, he's got some um, NAI offers, right? Huntington, Bontrager, yeah, Huntington, Madonna. Yeah, do you, do you know for sure? You, I mean, I, he does absolutely. He's got. I mean, if I can find the right freaking tab, that'd be great. Maybe not Madonna, maybe not Madonna. Indiana. I'm get I'm getting there. Okay. I know Huntington for sure. Bethel, Grace, Huntington, Indiana Tech, and Madonna. Okay, so Madonna was right. Okay. You know, so basically two, three crossroads team, Indiana Tech, right, wow. made the finals last year, right? Yeah, they were in the champ. They're out in the out in, uh where, where was it? Not this year. I don't remember. Branson, Pentagon, wasn't it? They played. No, they moved it from Branson. Did they? Yeah. Um. So two two wax schools and two three crossroads schools, and you know and they and you know they probably looking again bigger. You know you hate to act like you're big time these programs because they're good, and I could tell a story about Tonegal where the the punchline of the story is is the father in question. I'm not going to name names. The father in question who's a great parent, but he was like, we, we got to, you know, we got, he, he, this kid had multiple division one offers and wanted to go to Indiana Wesleyan. And that was, the dad was like, can we, you know, can you really think about it more? You know, he was trying to talk me into talking to the kid about not committing at the time. And after a couple of times of having that discussion, I finally said, at some point, you just got to let him do what he wants to do. And, and I said, there's only so many times I could talk a kid out of going to, an NAI school before Tonegal would just quit talking to me altogether. And I mean, he was gracious. He realized it was a, a group think effort, not just one person acting, you know, going rogue, but, but eventually you just let the, you know, again, he, he wanted a Christian education. Uh, he wanted a smaller environment and he wanted to have a little bit more of an off season than what a lot of these D one guys do. Sure. Um, Crossroads league checks all the boxes for that. Checks a lot of those boxes. Absolutely. Um, but so if a, if a bond comes up and says he wants to look for bigger opportunities, I, you know, I don't know. It's if I'm coaching the crossroads league, my nose wrinkles a little bit, but then again, I'm the same guy that's pushing the same thing. So, um, everybody dreams of playing at the highest possible level they can play. Maybe right. not everybody. But everybody also that includes balance of what what else they want in life and and in my player's case, there were other, he had other priorities. 
to consider. And a vast majority of these kids care first juggle between just academics and basketball. You know, they don't really worry about, they don't always worry about lifestyle other than is campus fun. Right. So, um, so, I mean, Bontrager is definitely going to be able to play in college for free. So he's, he's got that going for him. For sure. <clears throat> and I, I called it Lakewood Christians, Lakewood Park Christian. So just to be correct myself there. So move on. Yeah, let's do it. Top games, top teams, top players. All while trying to think of your hot takes for the end of the podcast. <laughs> what was your top game of the week? You, I mean, you got to stream. Did you watch something on stream? Uh, yeah, I watched that Blackhawk Homestead game Tuesday on stream. Are you counting that? All right. What's your top I'm, game of the week? I'm not. I'm not going to count that though. Okay. You can. Gonna, uh, no, that's all right. I'm going to go to the games that I actually went to because I went to three games. I went to Northwood Northridge. Uh, I snuck in a Clay Laporte game just to see a game Saturday afternoon since I had some time. Nice. And the P- Penn Chesterton game last night. Uh, best game I saw. Oh, man, it's a tough one because both get, the game Friday night and last night was were both both pretty good. Uh, you only pick one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to go with last night's Penn Chesterton game. Penn surprised me. And, and hung with Chesterton. They played really well last night. Uh, Chesterton I like a lot. They throw a lot of different guys at you. They have good depth. They have Travis Grayson leading the show. One of my favorite 2022 point guards. He, he is what he is your guy. Isn't he? You've liked him from the beginning. Yeah, he's one of my guys. Uh, he played well. Had 22 last night. Uh, playing against a couple good guards and a couple you like and Mar- Marcus Burton and Joe Smith. Yep. Uh, and and Chesterton came away with the win and it was just just a battle. Chesterton never never got it higher than a nine or ten point lead, I think, and and it was down to one a couple times and Penn just couldn't get over the hump. They are Penn's still really young, correct? Uh, yeah, they have a at few least seen, a couple. At least where it matters. But, I mean, their best yeah. players are both sophomores, right? We, right. Is that what's right. the two guards, Smith? Yeah. And Burton. Yeah. Right. I would. Well, they've say. got a couple of other sophomores that I think primarily play JV. That as those guys become juniors and seniors, Penn will, you know, you'll probably start seeing them back to the sixteen to nineteen win plateau again. Right. Um. Yeah, well, good. Well, that's – I mean, they've, they've had some games, too, where they've had a hard time. But it's been close, and they just get pulled away. Chester didn't have any size. Uh, yeah, because they go – they have some 6'4", six, 6'5", six, kids. Uh, they have a really good – really good and up-and-coming freshman I liked a lot that played. Justin, yeah. Justin Sims is his name. He's 6'5", long, blocked a couple shots, had a really key block at the end of the third quarter uh, that, that kept Penn from – potentially tying the game up. Uh, so I liked him quite a bit. But, yeah, they go 6'5", six, 6'4", six, in their front line and then bring in 6'5", Justin Sims to shot block and alter stuff in the paint. And they're pretty tough. But they have some football toughness on that team too. Yeah. And Penn's – they don't have a whole lot of size, do they? I mean, Apple uh, They do, but not like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not, he's... The, not the same type of size. Right. 
Uh, my top game, I think it was pretty easy. It was Cathedral Carmel. I mean, I wasn't in, kind of joking around with Coach Delaney on Twitter. It wasn't the outcome I wanted, but it was, it was a great game. And it was uh, – the interesting thing about it was as much of it was a back-and-forth game, the biggest lead either team – both teams had an eight-point lead. And the, the back-and-forth nature of that game, they both – eight-point lead was met by an eight-point lead. So basically a 16-point reversal. And then it went back to being a one possession game. So it was one possession game for probably, it seemed like, I don't know, 80% of the game. And then the, the middle part of it was Carmel led by eight, Cathedral led by eight, and then Carmel inched their, their way back in. And then it was basically kind of back and forth until the end. And, you know, Carmel had a, had a chance to win it, uh, missed – not, and I'm not talking about Waddell's shot. I'm talking about they got the ball in the Charlie Williams in the post. And the guy guarding pulled the chair out from underneath him, and he kind of backed his way into a turnover. He had otherwise played great, which I noted in the game takes that we that I wrote. That's as much of a, a, a better view or a better for the outlook of Carmel, you know, come March than whether or not they actually beat Cathedral. Uh, because if he's starting to if he's starting to get going, that's kind of the last piece for them, other than maybe just some random poor shooting game, which may have what happened against Center Grove. Um, of course that could be the center credit to Center Grove's defense. But but yeah, the Cathedral game was was outstanding. And it was just from an objective point of view, just a fun watch. And it, it was my best game of the week. So who was your best team? I should have thought about it a little more because I'm going to stick with Chesterton, though. Just yeah, that's all right. Just because of just they're, they're consistent. They do what they do. They know how to do it well. It's just a solid team. Uh, and they're winners. I just I, I really like their, their squad this year. It'll be, uh, I'll talk about them a little more a little later on, on upcoming games, but but I really like Chesterton this year. I think they're a really good squad. Yeah. Um, hold on a second. I'm gonna... Urban's done a really nice job there since taking over for Coach Peller. Definitely. And they've they've been really good defensively. And they and were good. They were good last night too. Yeah, I mean that's that's been their calling card, even though they've had some. They have had some good talent. They've not had the kind of definite high, you know, definite D one guy that that Peller had going there for a while. Uh, but they, you know, he's definitely, you know, they're they're doing their part of developing, you know, three to four kids in each class and fitting them together. And and those guys are physical and and it's just it's a lot more consistent than it was in some of the kids that coach Peller had and coach Peller had as much talent as he had. He also had a couple of guys that just weren't always fully committed and right. You know, urban doesn't, he seemed to work that type of kid out of the, you know, out of the, or he seemed to work that disposition out of their kids because I've, I've not watched them a ton last few years, but the times I've seen him play and, and listen to Trevor Andershock talk about him because Trevor's a grad, a Chesterton grad. Um, 
he brought a lot of toughness. He's brought a lot of uh, brought a lot of toughness to Chesterton, a lot like the way Mark Galloway did at Carmel, and and ever since then Carmel's always been able to be tough, physical, uh, good defensive basketball team. You know, and of course when you have when you can match that with some upper level talent, then you know you're you're going eleven and one, which is what Chesterton is right now. You know, and, and Grayson's a kid that can is good enough to put that team on his back and, and, you know, be a leader and, and be a producer. So, yep. Yep. And that's what he was last night. Uh, my best team of the week was cathedral. Um, you know, they lost Peter Moe earlier in the year. He transferred out. They, they had depth. So that wasn't going to be an issue. The, the quite my first time seeing them play without him. So the question was going to be, was, how did that change the way they played it? I mean, it's certainly they don't have to worry about not worry. It's probably the wrong word. They don't have to. They're a little bit more flexible in their rotations and how they use their big kids. I mean, Jake Davis hit five threes. He hit his first four. And I want to say in total, he was either five for six or five for seven. And that's a kid that, you know, drags Charlie Williams away from the basket. That's a kid that, because uh, Charlie early on was doing a great job of, of protecting the basket for Carmel. Uh, so they basically put a lineup out there where they've got all five guys who can shoot. And, you know, that creates a lot of space. That helps Comer. Comer's able to get in there. And, and it's not that they wouldn't be able to utilize Mo and, and win games because they, they were and they did. But it is definitely a different look. They're, um, you know, they're, they're starting two sophomores as well, Jake Davis and Jerron Tibbs. And then they've got the um, basically starting, I mean, they're Jackson Edwards and, and Tayshawn Comer, too, are, are both underclassmen. Edwards was held scoreless. He's been really good the times I've seen him play this year. Offensively, that was his least productive games among the ones I've seen. It's hard to get less than zero, but... But defensively, he was excellent, and he had to guard Waddell at times. He had to guard, he had to guard Suter at times. Tibbs did a pretty good job of guarding both those guys. Uh, so they've and they're able to utilize bringing probably three or four guys off the bench that don't play a ton. But if they have to, it seems like Delaney's pretty comfortable keeping keeping them out there. So, um, and then you know they. They're bringing Xavier Booker along, who's a six foot nine, six foot ten inch sophomore. Uh, he, we talked about Carmel Westfield and how Westfield struggled with Carmel's length. Carmel struggled with Booker's length, just hadn't seen it yet, and he rushed some things. He got his hands on a couple of balls, you know, toward the basket. He, he was effective with his minutes, especially in the defensive end. Offensively, he's just not there yet. His defense is a little ahead. And and defensively, he's really just good at the rim right now. Uh, the rest of it gets worked on and will we'll surely come along. But they needed the guy to, to keep Waddell and Suter to get to the basket, and he did a great job. So who was your best player of the week? Uh, best player of the games I saw, I'm going to go back to yesterday's afternoon game, Laporte's Grant at large. There you go. Grant had 34 on South Bend Clay. He worked the post like nobody's business. 
Like he's so quick on his feet, good post moves, soft touch finishes around the rim. Uh, I, I like it a lot because he's he's finishing against taller, athletic guys too underneath there. Typically, if you're playing against Clay, so, so he's, he just, built, he's built kind of like a bulldog. <laughs> yes, definitely. So he, he looks no, like a nobody's like more like a around. nose tackle. Yeah, he's nobody's like, pushing him around. He's a t- he's a tight end actually. Is it? Yeah. I could see that. He yeah, looks that, a lot like he's just a shorter version of, of Garrett, right? Right. Yeah. A little stronger, uh, a little bigger. Yeah. My best performer of the week, I guess, from what the games I saw was uh, Brody Whitaker. And I got a chance to see him Monday against Sullivan. That was a game I really looked forward to. And I liked the way it was kind of a tight game and Whitaker was producing. And then all of a sudden he just completely took it over. The final straw of that game was it wasn't like Sullivan was getting a whole lot of second chance opportunities, but what Whitaker was able to do was he was able to go grab the rebound and then just start the break. And once they got some opportunities to get to get score or to score in transition, they started to pull away and they've got a kid, Nick Sutherland, who's a senior, who's an incredible athlete for them. Got to be a football player. Good shooter, hit open shots. He started to make some plays in the second half. Cade uh, Plew, their six, seven center who they run some offense through. He's really good at dribble handoff. He gets to the rim uh, afterward. And basically he's, he creates a suction You've got to account for him, even though he's not a big scorer, and even though Whitaker is by far their best scorer and certainly the focal point of that offense and, and the, certainly the focal point of the, the opposing defense. But you, you still have to account for Plu, uh, who's very capable in the paint, especially as he, if he catches on the move. And it just, in his wake, was Whitaker, and Whitaker can make any shot you want. He caught one. I wrote about that. He he caught one at the elbow. He missed the shot that gone up, but he looked. You can tell it's in his game. You know, it's in his bag of tricks. He caught it at the elbow, kind of gave a little ball fake, put one dribble down, and as he was gathering, he was stepping back. It wasn't like Harden, James Harden, step back, but he was stepping back on the gather and put up a three that looked as well practiced and rehearsed as any other shot that he had taken and made. He he missed it a little bit wide, uh, but that's. I mean, he's. Every any kind of shot you want, he can pretty much make. I mean, floaters, post ups, um, great. You know, cuts well off screens. He he reads his defender. He's dipping his head in the screen and popping out. You know, different making his defender commit, reading, making the alternative cut, and he's just he was really hard for them to guard. And as much as they concentrated on him. You know, other guys started to step up, and it was Sutherland, I think, that did a lot of his damage in the second half. So he was my performer of the week, and um, I enjoyed watching him. I, you know, he was a guy that we liked this summer. I thought he was a little under-recruited, but Marion isn't going to complain about getting him. That's for sure. No, He's going to be really good. He's going to be really good in that league. So Definitely. Um. 
I just think that the two guys in the state need to recruit <laughs> more kids. <laughs> but again, this year too, they're going to be part of that transfer stuff yep. as well. I don't yep. know. We, we need to have, we'll have, there'll be an episode about that someday. <laughs> probably have to have two episodes about it. We'll probably have to have one where we talk about it. And then a couple months later after rosters settle, figure out what it looks like and, and who was impacted and who wasn't. Yep. Um, I keep going back to Indiana University on that. That the two things they need now are the the two guys that graduate. Although Durham's struggling, but they need size. And if Durham and Bronk both stay, you know, I think their roster looks pretty good next year. I don't think those are two guys that have an eye toward the NBA. Certainly professionally somewhere, but right. but would would benefit from another year. Um. But anyway, what games are you looking forward to this week or, or what's your favorite game or two for the week? Okay, so um, looking ahead this week, I know I sound like a broken record with this Chesterton thing, but nah. geez, they're a good team. Okay, so they don't watch them. You haven't watched them yet this year. I know. So you're been... just finally getting to them. It's all right. It, that happens. <laughs> uh, they're going up against two undefeated teams this week. Okay, they play Crown Point Friday night turn around and play South Bend Adams Saturday night. So nice. yeah, Chesterton's going to, we're going to see what they're really made of this week. Those are their only two games for the week and they have a week to prepare for crown point. And then, like I said, Chesterton. So they have a, a, a Duneland game Friday night, which is at home. And then they come over here to South Bend Adams. So I'll probably be at that game on Saturday night. Are you going to be able to get to that Valpo Gary West game? Uh, is that Friday? Uh, I think it's Saturday, like three thirty. Oh, oh, maybe I. Can I don't know where one. it's at though. I don't know if it's, it's. I think it's part of a bigger, a bigger deal. Oh, okay. I'll have to check. Looked at. I was letting you. I thought that would be your game, but no. I, Chesterton, I've, Crown Point, and South Bend. Those are good games too. So, go. You know. I've seen Valpo twice this year already. Yeah, and, uh, and we've Barone, seen Gary West. Barone hasn't played any. So I don't know what's up with him. Your boy. Tom. Well, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of dudes in front of him. I mean, Mason Jones is really good, and his brother, who's obviously going to play football in college, is goes back to the uh, the Britt Berry and Sean Heffron days in Carmel, where fine, you they're offensive linemen, but or defensive linemen, and in Heff's case, they're still Division one athletes. Yeah, you know, and and. I remember, I remember Esp or Sean Heffern from Carmel. We call him Espy. He would come in the game, and teams would like try to involve him in ball screens, and it's just like, dude, he's more athletic than probably half the guys you have on the floor, just because he looks like you know, just because he looks like a big load, a big lug. He's freaking athletic, and uh, especially laterally. Um. High major linemen have great foot have great footwork, so both sides of the ball. So, and that's what basically what you're getting with the with uh, Cooper Jones, Col Cooper or Colton. One of, there's three of them. The other one's not related, but Mason's brother is the 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 kid playing football in college. But I mean, he's a Division one athlete. He's going to have good right. footwork, and he's going to be right. a hell of a lot stronger uh, than Barone. And it's 
that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. So I don't know if Barone's getting Barone, JV minutes. Yeah, I didn't. Even, he wasn't even on the bench for varsity either game. Okay, so he's probably just getting JV minutes. I mean, he he'll be good. He'll be one of those guys who wake up and he's having a good college career, and it's because he finally grew into his core. You know, his he's six ten and thin, and he struggles with contact and and but he's got a pretty decent motor and and he's starting to get a better feel for the game but you know and they've they've got like i said they've got the jones kid that's <laughs> probably just beats people up yep so i don't know if you've liked him when you've watched him play or not but he's been um the times i've seen him in the summer just in limited situations he's just really physical so yeah definitely physical uh, games I'm looking forward to this week. Well, Homestead at Lawrence North. I mean, you can't really get any better than that. They're playing. They're uh, going through the gauntlet too. Homestead yeah, both of them. No slouches. Yeah, Homestead's, Homestead's done a good job of scheduling. You know, they do what you do when you've got all-star candidates. Is you you play the best, you play better teams at different parts of the state, and yep. and get more eyes on them. And it matters. It just it just does. If all you do is just play the same schools in your area and you're wondering why your guy's not getting getting exposure or why your guy's not getting accolades beyond your local newspaper, that that's why. Now it's easier said than done because you've got to find somebody that's willing to play you. But that's, you know, Homestead's done a fabulous job of that. And Lawrence North, and that's why Carmel plays New Albany. And that's why New Albany plays Carmel. You know, let's – it starts off by let's get Romeo in front of Romeo Langford in front of as many eyes as we can across the state and let everybody see how special he is and and continue the same thing because Carmel's got kids that that Coach Osborne wants Southern Indiana to see yep. and it's um, makes for some pretty long bus rides but you know and but at the same time it, it's also fun not playing the same schools every year. So Carmen Carmel's playing Carroll again this year. Um, so I, I like that schools are doing that. And yeah, definitely. I definitely like it when it's close to my house. Yeah, so for sure. <laughs> uh, then the city tournament. Uh, the city is, is fun. It, it ends up at Tech on Saturday and Monday. So the following Monday, we'll be talking about next Sunday when we podcast, we'll be talking about the city the city finals we will preview that game kind of orally here. Um, Christmas addicts and cathedral both get buys, so they don't play till Thursday. Those will be the quarterfinals. Then the, the semifinals will be Saturday night at tech tech is one of my favorite gyms. It's, it's got a lot of character. It's got some, it's got good history as well. And it's, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get in uh, just because of, you know, how Marion County is handling things uh, with with events like that. But um, shouldn't shouldn't be a problem. But then uh, then the following Monday will be the final. And that's um, I tell you what, those games are usually packed. It, the, the, that's going to be impacted. Whatever money they're used to making on that, they're not going to get this year. But because those those games are used to being packed and tech when it's people are it's really hot. It's it's a hot gym. Uh, I guess I could I could shout out my my home school here that that hosts the fifty some annual bi county tournament up here. 
There you go. Will. Will. Well, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, it starts tomorrow night. There's uh, eight teams in that. It goes through Saturday night, the championship round. Uh, they used to run that to where every game was at LaVille. They would have boys, girls, JV and varsity, everything throughout the week at LaVille. Really? But, but yeah, so it was, it was a pretty fun week at LaVille back when I was in school. But uh, they've, they've since gotten away from that. And the first round games are typically at the, the, uh, the bottom team on the brackets home court. And then yeah. everything ends up at LaVille on Friday and Saturday night for the semifinal and championships. I miss the days of the Marion County tournament where there would be two games at each location on Tuesday and Wednesday. That'd be cool. I, yeah, I miss those days. I don't, I know they, I don't know why they can't do that and then just share the revenue. Right. I don't know why they, I, mean, I know why they went to each. Well, I mean, I'm sure one of the reasons why they go to each, you know, separate sites so they can get more revenue or so they can get revenue, but I don't know why they can't just, do it like they did. It makes for a more fun experience. They could easily share the revenue uh, among the among the four teams or however they want to handle that. Um, but obviously, then the semifinals at at Southport, you know, becomes a, a really good day because the, you know they definitely those are usually two really good games on, in one floor. So right, right. All right, man. What's your hot take? Ah, oh, geez. Our, um, I have a feeling we're going to get a couple surprise names pulling the pulling the trigger on doing uh, prep schools. Oh, really? Yeah. No Any insight. No insight at all. That's no insight hot, at all. Complete hot take. None. Just a complete hot take. When's uh, CJ Gun announced February sixth? Seventh. I don't remember now. All right, I'm not. I'm saving that one. I'm saving that hot take for closer to when he's. It's time. Okay. Plus, his dad listens, and he'll want to know what my guess is. Um. My hot take this week is Lawrence North's going to beat Homestead. I hate game hot. I hate predicting. Yeah, you just told me games. That before I know. I just. I know. You shied I'm, me away from one. I'm a rat bank. I get it. That's my hot take. Is Lawrence North's going to beat Homestead? A game like that, that's that's a big game. I mean, there's two undefeated. It's, it's got to be number one and number two. I have thought all year that Homestead – not all year. I shouldn't say it like that. I have thought since I saw Homestead live that they were the best team in the state right now. Um, I think they've got some nice role player – pieces to go with lawyer and good and those two dudes can really really score it's yeah. going to be i mean lawrence north's going to come out and just try to smother them and they're going to try and <laughs> they're going to try and beat them up <laughs> um it'll it'll be uh it'll be a good game i'm looking forward to it and but that yeah i couldn't come up with a really good hot take so that is i know I still like the feature. We're sticking with it. We just you just got to got to deal with it. So <laughs> we were going to do our reads before our hot takes. Do our read. Go. All right. Box Out Sports is the leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes throughout the season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. And remember, 
that's not just for basketball and the other sports can use that as well. Soccer, tennis, softball, baseball, anything. And, and we are incorporating them more on the website and yep. especially social media. So, well, you've been doing the social media side of that from the beginning, but incorporating, a, incorporating it more on the website is, is good. I like how that went this week. So, um, Courtside Indiana podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as SoundCloud. You could subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. Do us a favor. Give us a uh, give us a rating. Give us a review. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, and, and certainly subscribe. Where our, our viewer or listenership has gone up. Pretty deep increase the last two weeks. So we appreciate those who are listening. Good. Definitely. Thank you. Yep. Zach, as always, good job. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to everybody next week. 